Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carvel and I'm Al Hunt. James and I have a lot to talk about this week. And remember, we take your questions each episode. So write into politicswarroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to at Politicon for next week's show. We'll get to as many as we can and don't forget to tell us where you're from. Also, please check out the link to this week's sponsors, Magic Spoon, in the show notes. You know how much we love Magic Spoon. We thank you for supporting our sponsors. It helps make this podcast happen. Please tell your friends about us and remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, James, you know, uh, the legislative process is never very pretty, but this is uglier than most right now, what's going on up in the Senate and the House. You know, I'm writing about this for The Hill, and um, several points are striking. By, by the way, I still give it a 52-48 chance of success, but that's 48% chance of failure, which would be catastrophic for Democrats. But one, the lesson for the Democrats, the left-wingers in the House have to take a remedial course in math. I'm sorry, they don't have the votes for what they really want. A naive Washington Post column said they really outsmarted Pelosi by withholding votes. Well, you know, you only outsmart someone if you get a result you want, and they're not going to get the big result they want. I hate the fact that we talk about this in numbers rather than policies, but they're not going to get 3.5 or whatever have you. Uh, Two, there's a small handful of House Democrats, self-described moderates, who are in the tank to the drug companies and opposing allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices. You know, we pay two and a half times more for drug prices in this country than they do in most other places. And these aren't moderates. These Democrats aren't moderates to the millions of seniors and others who pay such an exorbitant price for essential drugs they need. Just negotiating drug prices for Medicare is a very reasonable position. And finally, I think Joe Manchin from a very conservative state uh, has tried to deal with leaders usually very, uh, you know, privately, but I think he really wants to make things happen. By contrast, Arizona's Kristen Cinnamon, she wants attention. She wants to be seen as a John McCain. The difference, Senator, is John McCain had real beliefs, and this led him to supposed maverick positions. The only reason this is going to work in the end, I think, James, is going to primarily be due to Nancy Pelosi and the fact that Democrats are going to realize, whatever their objections, failure is a absolute cataclysm for them. Well, yes, a, a, a couple points here, and the last point is the most important. It's, you know, it's Benjamin Franklin. I've said it a hundred times during this. We, we best hang together, surely we'll hang separately. Right. And <clears throat> just everybody has jockeyed position, but I think you and I agree on this pretty pretty strongly, is that it, it all became about a number. Bernie throws six million out. Then then the White House throws three and a half million out. Then Senator Manchin throws a million and a half out. And if you spent more time talking about what's in it and less time talking, and by the way, this is over 10 years, which most right. people don't realize. So it's really 350 billion a year. And also whatever. includes some tax cuts. Right. So it, 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 now they have sort of lost that narrative. And hopefully, uh, if or when they get the deal, I hope they accentuate what's in it. What's in it? What is it going to do for people? People don't care or understand about that other stuff. But I, I think if they 
don't pass this, they are 100% screwed, 100. All right, I, and there's a lot of really, I want to take a minute or two to address this. There's a lot of really depressed Democrats, and they come up, and I saw a bunch of them in New York at a fundraiser for Terry McAuliffe on the Upper West Side. It was a you know very Democratic, very affluent crowd, as you can imagine, until a person, they got to do something, James, go tell them, goddamn, it's horrible. It, it is not unreasonable to assume that the virus is getting better. It is getting better for now. They have this really promising therapeutic coming online, and there's good reason to believe this is going to be a manageable situation here in the next couple of months. Literally, I say everybody, I hate to say everybody because some somebody say this guy didn't say it, but overwhelming number of people who know anything about the economy think that it's getting ready to explode, that there's pent-up demand, there's household savings. I mean, the only problem having going to have is just these supply chain issues. And the third is Trump's going to get indicted by the Manhattan DA, and it's, and it's going to be a pretty conclusive, strong indictment that's going to cause great discomfort. So everything hinges on, and if, that, if those things happen, then you got a chance. But it all hinges on them passing something so you can legitimately go on television or you can write a column saying that the Biden economic plan gave people confidence to go out and spend money and gave business confidence to go out and hire more, blah, 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 blah. It, that, it, it's all central to that. But three of the virus getting better is, is a better than 50-50 chance. The economy getting better is a better than 50-50 chance. And Trump being indicted is clearly a better than 50-50 chance. And what I did not know that I read today was there's a Justice Department investigation into Trump's threatening people on, about election law. I did, I did not realize that until I read that today, that the Justice Department's investigating this along with the Fulton County DA. Well, um, I agree with all of the above. Uh, and to go back to the Hill, uh, we, I think, correctly fault some Democrats for their behavior, uh, even if they get in line uh, at, at the end. Uh, and I think Nancy Pelosi is the one that's going to pull this through with the help of some but let's not let the Republicans off the hook. Start with Mitch McConnell, who once again is willing to let the country go into default for his own political gain. He always puts power and money ahead of country. He's done it again. But I also want to ask those, those Republicans who say, my God, you can't undo the Trump tax cut. That produced the best economy of our lifetime. No, it did not. I am sorry. What it produced was a lot of red ink. James, this may come as a surprise to you. It may not. But the last seven years of the Clinton administration had faster economic growth than any year during the Trump years. And I want to say finally on the Republicans, Senator Barrasso and Congressman McCarthy, you oppose this Democratic uh, social infrastructure package. Fine. That's what the, you know, the other party does. But are you opposed to extending the child tax credit that would lower child poverty in this country from 14 to 8? Are you opposed to that? Are you opposed to universal pre-K? Are you opposed to assistance for grossly underpaid home uh, health care workers taking care of seniors who, with great disabilities or others like that? Are you opposed to lowering drug prices? Tell, tell us what you're for. Are you opposed to the climate change? They're getting away with murder, James. It's one thing to oppose. It's one thing to demagogue and not say what they're for. 
It really, uh, really well, bugs me. It, it is. And his, uh, his about nothing but power. I would ask the Democrats and is to be 75% about power. Right now, many of them are more about Twitter followings than they are about power. And, and there's, there's a real aversion to power. Take redistricting in Virginia. We turned it over to a blue ribbon committee in the Supreme Court, which has a Republican majority. They could have redistricted if they, if they were done with te- they're doing Texas and these other places. Or North, they would have redistricted. I think there'd been two more Democratic. For sure, you'd have strengthened every Democratic incumbent and probably picked up another seat. There's something, there's something about Democrats that makes them adverse to wielding power. It, that's what it's about. The, the, they give a certain amount. The Congress has a certain amount of power. Use it. McConnell does it a hundred percent, and we're out there counting Twitter followers. It's 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 ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it is. I have I have um, no. As long as I'm on a tirade, I have one more, and that's on my business, the media. You know, K Street is on a high with these bills, particularly the tax bill, and the media is doing a bad job in telling us who. Who on K Street's doing this? New York Times has a big front page piece the other day. I couldn't wait to read it on the massive lobbying going on. You know what it told me? It told me the big pharma and the Chamber of Commerce are opposing these myths. Well, no, you know, no kidding. Uh, I knew that. I want to know, especially which Democrats are being paid to sandbag, sandbag their party's priorities. And I, you know, everybody has the right to lobby. I just want to know who they are. I just want to have some transparency. And that's up to the media to do a much better job. These people are the, the, equivalent, the political equivalent of traitors, right? I'm not advocating that they be shot, but in terms of their political maneuvering and being part of the Democratic Party, understand this, I understand it, you understand this better than me. The federal government is the largest purchaser of prescription drugs in probably the world, right? They are forbidden to negotiate. So if Hertz goes, I may bankrupt now, but but Hertz or Avis, if they go buy 3,000 cars, they're obviously going to get a discount from Ford. Right. Right. And these people, and this is like, this is so popular, it's like 75, 80%. And how can you be a fiscal conservative and not say that the federal government should be able to negotiate the price of insulin? It's so offensive that you, you, you just you, 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 the mind it just boggles the mind right. just to think of that, and uh, you know they had to put that in to get the votes for Obamacare. Well, when you got them in, then go ahead and take it, take it away. But somebody there is going to cocktail parties, is 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 being you know hailed as a you know K Street Democrat, et cetera, et cetera, and and they are the, they are the equivalent of traitors. What is what are the names? Exactly, name the names. Same thing on the tax bill, James. If you if you talk about the fact that we have too much inequality in this country, we have an unfair tax system. Then, God damn it. I want to know what lobbyists are up there lobbying to keep the estate tax the way it is now, to keep capital gains the way it is now, to keep capital gains at death the way it is now, to keep the carried interest. I want to know the names. Who are they? They have every right to do it. No one's going to take that away from them. But it ought to be transparent. They ought to be on the front page of the New York Times. I don't need to know about Big Farm and Chamber of Commerce. I know that already. Everybody knows that. 
But who are these, and particularly who are the ones that work, that, that are in that livelihood because of the success they had working for Democrats before? That's what we really need to right. know. I, I don't blame the Russians for paying all the shames. I blame all the shames. And these, now, of course, it was one of the greatest crimes in history. I can say, well, you, you can't compare anybody to all the shames. I'm not. But in terms of politics, he was a traitor to his country. You know, and if you're a Democrat and you're doing this, you, you, you're just a traitor for money. That's all there is to it. Well, let's, we're right. Name names. Come on, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, all the others, CNN. Name names. That's we'll, all. We don't know 75% of them, I promise you. Right. And, but we ought to see them in print. And maybe they'll right. be shamed. Maybe they right. won't. Maybe, maybe the money's so big it doesn't like matter. It. They won't but, like it, you right, know, because right. their spouses will be serving on a charter school board. <laughs> right. Make them uncomfortable. You know, the, the role of journalism is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Let's let's do right. some affliction. Uh, right. I had the same reaction at Time Story you did. I said, oh, man, it's going to be, you know, let's right. get to the details. And I kept looking. I didn't learn a fucking thing. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, James, you mentioned uh, Terry McAuliffe uh, a minute ago. That's a... That's a must-win race for Democrats, for Terry, for Virginians, uh, but it looks awfully tight right now. Well, let's start with one thing we know for sure. If Terry wouldn't be running, we wouldn't have a chance. If we had some delegate such and such, we we, we wouldn't have a chance. And as much as anything, he's tied to— Congress getting a deal. Biden's very unfavorable in Virginia is up 10 points. That's that's not good because that means that, they, that the enthusiasm is there. Now, on the plus side, he's not being outspent at all. If anything, he's spending more. Uh, the the absentee request and that kind of stuff looks looks good. I mean, you're not seeing it in, in the early, the, you know, the early to start already started voting. It looks kind of like you wanted to. But if they don't if they, if they get a deal, Terry is the favorite. If they don't, he's the underdog. But that's yeah. how important this is. Well, just a word about his opponent, the private equity guy, um, <laughs> former private equity guy, Glenn Youngkin. He's doing exactly what we thought he'd do. Now, he's playing the race card. He's playing the race card by talking about critical race theory being taught in the Virginia schools. Of course, it's not. And he, that's his racial dog whistle. And he's also playing the Trump card. He's saying, let's audit all of the voting machines. Why, Mr. Yunkin? Uh, why do we have to audit all the voting machines? I don't really care if you do that, but that's just pandering to Trump. He's trying to pretend that he's really a different Republican than Trump, but he's really in, uh, in the tank uh, to Trump. He is a very wealthy guy with no principles, little regard for the truth. But, James, unfortunately, it is working fairly well so far. Yeah, look, there's a good Lincoln project negative on Yunkin. And it has, and so he doesn't believe in mass mandates. And it points out that his children go to Georgetown Day. Well, of course, at Georgetown Day. <laughs> what do they have? Right. Same right. thing they got at Sidwell, okay? Right. Same thing they got at Episcopal, you know, anything else. We elitists yeah. stick together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, I mean, he, his children are not going anywhere without a mask. But right. your children, you know, if you're, you're a child out in the Shenandoah Valley going to public school, no, no, he don't care. I, it's, it, 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 then they have... Good negatives on him, and they just got to drive him home. He doesn't do any press events. He does five events a week, but they monitor him pretty close. And, and he says some, some really contradictory things on, on right-wing talk radio. 
And, well, uh, it's, and it's, there's more good stuff coming. If Yunkin, if I were you, I would be very nervous because I, 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 there are a lot of people that are out there that this. Let's put it this way. Uh, you know, as Stalin once said, if you're afraid of wolves, don't go in the woods. Or as Joe, Lewis said, as Joe Lewis said, you can run, but you can't hide. So we'll right. see if that happens right. between now and November 2nd. Okay. All right, James, uh, this is going to build on something you've been talking about today and for a while. It's from Ruth in Chicago. She said, oh, that the Democrats were as ruthless, organized, and committed to building and maintaining power as right-wing Republicans are. Where's our Roy Cohn? Go ahead, James. Okay, first of all, we couldn't have a Roy Cohn because Democratic voters wouldn't stand for it. If we—our voters just don't give us the sufficient permission to do that. And by the way, I kind of like that. But because you can't be Roy Cohn— that can't. That does not mean that you can't be Harry Reid, right? Got to understand that. And if we had more Harry Reid in us, we'd be a hell of a lot better off. Or we had more George Mitchell or more Nancy Pelosi in us. I mean, we have some tough people that in the in the modern Democratic Party. The problem is is the the Twitter people and the the the. the the purest uh, get in the way of getting anything done. And, and that's, that's the primary issue that we have. And, the, and by the way, I, I, I go back, the press, it, it, their voters don't care. And, and the press loves, they love finding Democrats in disarray, but on the other hand, et cetera, et cetera. One party is at its core, I think, evil. And the other party is, at its core, dysfunctional. Well, you can go, you can't, once you've decided that you could go down the track of evilness, and I think the Trump stuff is evil, I think the way they did a tax code is, is, is evil on earth. I really do. I mean, it's not a difference of opinion. It's not, it's, it's ridiculous. But if you, you, can, you, you can fight it with toughness. No one's asking Democrats to go out and lie. You know, as, as, as Harry Truman said, I, I, just tell, you know, I just tell the truth about them. Give them hell. And we got to speak more, more clearly with one voice, and people have to subjugate their own fundraising ambitions or own cable TV appearances for the country. Everybody's got to wake up one day here, and it's got to be in the month of October, and say, you know, I'm American first, and I'm blank second. Let's just get this deal done. What are we waiting on? That's for sure. I hope it doesn't take till the end of the month. Eric in Rhode Island. This is a question addressed to both of us. Uh, same same sort of question. Uh, he, he Eric wants to why so why so hard to cover this Democratic battle over the infrastructure and spending bills without injecting one's point of view from the the. Press coverage, you know, he's saying, you know, you're right, either it's liberals in danger of the prospect of passing a bill or Senator Manchin and Cinema jeopardize Biden's economic plans. Why, why do you have to always put that kind of spin on it? I don't think that's the main problem with the press coverage. I think the main problem is in part caused by the participants, the focus not on what's in the bill, but on the, the supposed size of the bill. 
And secondly, as James and I have talked about on, on this show, including today, uh, let's find out who the special interests are involved in it. I think some of the coverage has been good, some of it has been not so good. James, Eric wants to know also, from, from your point of view, is this what political operatives want? Do they want to make it an ideological war? Well, I don't. What, what a political I want to know is what I what I want is I want to tell people what's in the thing, all right? Because if you poll the components of it, it's eighty percent. I I don't have to tell you how popular controlling prescription drug, you know, negotiating prescription drug prices are. Common sense will tell you that, right? And no one is asking somebody to have a you know a great deal of political courage. And if you go back, there was a very interesting. Paul Krugman column, where in 2011, the, the press basically said they have to get a grand deal to cut entitlements, right? That, are, that, was, that was just the gift. That was the position. And, oh, yeah, they got to do that. Of course, of course, you know, it was this and that. And of course, now, to know, the last thing anybody's going to do is talk about that. And so when you have kind of orthodoxy and everybody talks to everybody else and everybody thinks the same way, you're going to end up with the same stories over and over and over again. And the only way that you can get them off of that crack is by intervening and intervening hard. And, you know, Biden, I don't think he picks up the phone and calls. I'd be for like, call. I would be Mario Cuomo used to do, call up the reporters and say, look, this is what you're not, this is what you're not reporting. You know, this is what we've been saying. And, and they're not, they hadn't done a good job of, I, I, it's more their fault than the press on this, but everybody's got to do a better job of this and quit obsessing on a number. Right. It's what's in the bill that counts. John in Halstead, uh, Minnesota, wants to know, uh, James, can you provide a lens in his political thinking behind those who throw up so many uh, obstacles to defeating the COVID crisis? Uh, as destructive as their policies are, they must think there's a political upside, right? What are they up to? Why? What's the explanation? You know, there's a Tom Etzel, as usual, mm-hmm. you know, has a, a, a really illuminating piece here. And it, 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 is a, it is a commentary on modern American politics that people are literally willing to die because they want to own the live so bad. And that's the one people point out is that it's, it's the kind of way to come off. Uh, it's hubris, you know, like when you, your party's like, if you're too stupid to see this. And it, it, it has just gotten out of control and, and, and to the point where if you know, like people say, they believe in creationism. Well, I don't know if they really believe in creationism. They just hate the people I tell them you can't believe in it. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I see Hugh Hewitt saying this time for Fauci to, but Fauci's, of course, he's just become a symbol of, and he's the most non-hubristic person I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's an Italian kid that drew, grew up on top of a drugstore, you know, and took the subway to high school. But they have, like, branded him, in, 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 I guess successfully, for, for, in, but he didn't even remotely come across like that. Uh, I think this guy that just resigned from NIH, Dr. Collins, is another really top guy, you know. He sure is. He's been there forever, and he, he says, I'm somebody else. But I, I, I think he's a highly talented 
public servant. There's a lot of integrity, and he's not a hubristic person either. But, man, there's something that people have done. Uh, look, if you look at—I'll just take a minute to make another point. Look at Brexit. I mean, the United Kingdom, a majority of the people said, let's just commit suicide. And we'll get the city, we'll show the city of London guys, who, that, that's their Wall Street, you know, who runs this country. And now they, they, they're not going to have gas for heating. They're going to have a crisis. Read Tom Friedman this morning. They don't have any truck drivers. They kicked all the truck drivers out of the country. Right. I mean, I, I mean it, democracy doesn't work when people are not looking after their self-interest. What they're doing is they they hate the other side so much they're willing to forego their self-interest to hurt the other side. That's what's happening, and that's exactly what's happening in COVID. Right. And, exactly. It's, I, a, it's I, a common occurrence, too, James, that people who have been, you know, who have voted for politicians in those 12 states that have refused Medicaid expansion largely are working class people in communities that are losing hospitals, that are have poor people that aren't being covered by Medicaid. They're voting against their self-interest because they are voting for, they are voting against what they perceive as the elite liberals. Right. And uh, yeah, the elite are, are, liberals yeah. deserve some of the blame, to be sure. But mainly they have been, um, I, the, to point an old phrase I first heard from George Romney, Mitt Romney's father years ago, they've been brainwashed. You know, there's a good piece in Slate by a, a, a journalist named Rebecca Onion. She's right good. She's You can look her up. She's, yep. I think she's got like a PhD in history. And this woman from Arkansas, an academic, wrote a book. Reading the thing, it looks like it's pretty good. And she said the messaging on vaccines should, to, to them should be, you know, you were right, you know, right at the beginning, you know. But now that the Delta variant's here, you know, it's better for you to take it. In other words, just don't argue that what you want to say is, you stupid son of a bitch. How can you be so goddamn ignorant to not be vaccinated? Say, you know, you, you, you made a choice. You know, I could, I could understand that. But now you have to rethink your choice because we have we've interjected that there's a, a new player in the game. I don't think it'll work, but it's probably better, the best idea I've heard so far. Well, and always use the term requirement, not requirement. mandate. It does make a difference. Even some smart politicians sometimes fall into that trap. It just so it's the same thing, but we don't, uh, you know, we don't talk about mumps mandates. Uh, we talk about requirements for a mump shot. So it's uh, anyway. Uh, John in Sea Ranch, California. Uh, back to our old friend. McConnell wants to know, is McConnell using the destiny to tie up the Senate for so they can't get to voting rights and other important bills? Sure he is. Of course he is. He's doing it to create chaos. He's doing it to, if he has to screw the country to do it. Uh, in order to screw the Democrats, he'll do it. That's what Mitch McConnell always does. I, I used to have arguments with people say, you know, McConnell's a very conservative guy, but he's an institutionalist. He's like Howard Baker and Bob Dole. He really cares about the Senate. That's bullshit. He is into power and money, and if he can screw up everything, he'll do it. Yeah. McConnell, as if he cares about the country. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> anyway. I, I, you know, yeah, just, yeah. It, it, and again, there's no, I, I, and, you know, I don't know. If they don't give the votes, then the United States, they're going to print that trillion-dollar coin, which seems like a pretty good idea. I'd like to see them go ahead and do it. And it looks like it's pretty constitutionally sound. 
Francis in Pensacola, Florida, James. This is really, this is just, once again, James, they're, they're, they're writing them to you. She said, I lived in New Orleans for five years, but I had to move. I miss it every day. Can you tell me if you think the mayor and the parish presidents did a good job of steering the area through the pandemic and the recent storm? Well, first of all, my friend in Sea Ranch, I'm pretty sure that's in North San Diego County, which is one of the best places in the entire United States. Right, right. I know, Francis I know, in Pensacola. Course, I, I know. I'm getting to yeah, Escambia, yeah. Escambia County, Florida. Yeah. Uh, the truth of the matter is some of the parish presidents did a good job. I do not think the mayor of New Orleans has done a good job at all. I, in fact, I think it's borderline catastrophic. I mean, I was Lafayette Square, block from where I live, and I was running in it, and that's the center of the city, Gallia Hall. It's an old city hall. It's where the, uh, Zulu and Rex, and to, the mayor toast them. It's one of the most famous buildings in the city. They have not emptied the trash cans yet, and that storm was a long, long time ago. So I, I'm, I'm very, and the mayor's like arguing with people in bars about calling the names and that kind of stuff, but I, I, I hope she gets better because it's not very good, i, I got to tell you. I agree. Uh, Brian in Port Washington North, and New York says, on the occasion of Jimmy Carter's 96th, 97th birthday, happy birthday, Mr. President, he was the first president I ever voted for. This was Brian. What are your recollections of the man as a new Southern politician, a president, and very active former president, particularly on elections and human rights? I think Jimmy Carter may be the best ex-president America has ever had. He has done more good work uh, in the last, uh, whatever it's been, 40 years. Uh, it's unimaginable. Going around to the continent of Africa, building homes. He's been a great ex-president. He wasn't a great president. He was a better president than was, than was thought when he left. Uh, he, he, he certainly put human rights, global human rights, on the map. Uh, he was the first president to talk really seriously about energy conservation uh, and alternatives. Uh, and the Camp David uh, Accords were one of the more important Middle East uh, pacts we've ever had. There were flaws. He wasn't very good working with Congress. Uh, and uh, he, had some bad, he had some bad fortune, a bad economy. But Jimmy Carter is a great ex-president, and uh, he's been a real, a real important figure in America. You know, he's a little bit also, remember, he was a Democratic president. Remember airline deregulation, airline, like right. trucking deregulation? I mean, you, you, right. you couldn't, have, couldn't have competed anywhere in the world. He actually did it. He did it. Yep. And the, the, the fact that— Panama Canal treaties, too. Yeah, the Panama Canal Treaty. Could right. you imagine what right. happened with it? Huge, huge, huge uh, success. Uh, he did, you know, the, the military buildup. He actually started it. It started under President Carter. I, I, I think that people had made a judgment about him and are reluctant to change it. I actually, if you, if you look back in his terms of his four years— they certainly look as as time moves on. It's like President Bush forty one four year term. As time moves on, the record tends to look better. And I think you know, yeah, the Panama Canal Treaty. I mean, that was like we would have been a disaster if we wouldn't have done that. Right. So, and well, it was two risky. good 
Two good books on your point, James, uh, on Carter by Kai Bird and by Jonathan Alder, I think uh, have really done a good, a very good job of revisiting uh, a achievements and legacy that were certainly a lot better than we thought in 1981. Yeah. Our, our, our final question is from Mike in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I love the geographical range of our yeah. questioners today. And he said, we know the Democrats need Joe Manchin in the Senate right now, but what happens if Democrats pick up seats in the Senate and hold the House in 2022? Does Schumer completely drop acquiescing to Manchin? Well, for, first of all, when you got 50, if you need 50 plus the, the vice president, that you just, you're running into math. And by the way, I think Manchin is much, yeah, I, I, I think he is a Roman Catholic Italian Democrat in West Virginia. All right. That's just, that's just an entirely different cut of cloth than, than, than most people in the Democratic Party. If we didn't have Joe Manchin, we'd have Marsha Blackman. Oh right, it's not. It's not the choice. You get Joe, Joe Manchin. You get Elizabeth Warren. All right, right. And, and I don't know what these people are thinking about. I, people are, are much more concerned about Senator Cinema. Although I don't think people showing up and being rude to is the most effective lobbying tactic I've ever seen in it's my life. Stupid, just stupid. Yeah, is it? And, and I don't think that the progressives. I don't think Joe Manchin is worried about the progressive primary, getting primaried by some Brooklyn progressive, okay? I don't think that's a problem at all. But if they remember that they all have an interest in power, and and this really would help the country, is then we got to, you know, we got to get this thing rolling big time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, please keep those questions coming in. We love them. We hate the fact we can't get to everyone, but we'll try to get to some of the ones we didn't use this week. We'll try to get to them next week. Uh, so you know where to send them. Uh, please keep them coming. Hey, James, my grandson Kai deserves the best when it comes to cereal, and he knows what it is. But let's make it a populist movement. Because we all know, we all love our favorite snack breakfast and all-around delicious treat, Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's only 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. You can build your own box and customize it to make your own custom bundle with Magic Spoon's delicious cocoa, Fruity, frosted, my favorite, peanut butter, blueberry, Kai's favorite, or cinnamon flavors. But that's not all. Great news, James, for you and our audience. Magic Spoon is bringing back two super popular flavors, cookies and cream and maple waffle. Permanently. So make sure you try them. Cookies and cream and maple waffle. They're delicious, indulgent, and healthy. James, you're in. Well, I, I am too. And I, the thing about Magic Spoon is I... I I, I like it better as a snack food than a breakfast food, actually. I mean, if you, yeah, it's not why I'm sitting on my computer, I'm doing things, as opposed to having, you know, Cheetos in it, I, I put the cereal in it and just, and just pop it in my mouth. And you know what? I'm, I'm not only am I not doing any harm to my body, I'm doing a lot of good for it. Right. And it, it tastes good. It, 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 I, I think it, it, it's, it's utility goes fur, way beyond the breakfast table. Boy, it is good. It is good. Go to magicspoon.com slash warroom 
to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code WARROOM at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it, for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash warroom and use the code WARROOM to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Hey, James, this is Rip and Read, the Pandora Papers, confidential papers obtained by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists and published by the Washington Post, revealing scams called offshore accounts or trusts to shelter income, avoiding any transparency in taxes. The perpetrators, including included heads of states from Jordan's um, uh, King Abdullah to the Czech prime minister to Russia's Vladimir Putin, who secretly got a condo for his girlfriend using one of these secretive uh, trusts. They include a rich Colombian laundering money from dr- drug profits, other magnets exploiting workers used to hide and avoid child support payments in some cases that hurt kids. They've been caught offshore, but they are also set up in several American states, South Dakota, Delaware, Alaska. Now, there's a need for some kind of global reaction here, global cooperation. We're working on a minimum tax. That'll help a little bit, but you got to close down these scams. And there is no reason to wait in places like South Dakota to shut down this scam for the shady rich. And that's all it is. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's really unbelievable. It's South Dakota. I, I, I wonder if people like, they're hardworking people there. That's, that's, a, you know, that's not the easiest place in the world to live. I wonder if they know what's going on in their own state. Yeah, I don't think uh, they do. Mine is uh, Chief Justice Roberts in Shelby County, uh, in the Shelby County versus Holder case, said there wasn't any need to have voting rights because there wasn't any racism left in America. Well, let me let me turn your attention to Martha Huckabee, who was the leader of the National Federation of Republican Women in Louisiana. Her claims on social media that slavery resulted in hardworking ethics and love and respect between enslaved people and slave owners. And she vigorously defended State Representative Jimmy Garofalo from St. Bernard Parish, who was the chairman of the House Education Committee. Understand, he was the chairman of the Louisiana House Education Committee, and he said that the suggestion of schools is they teach the good, the bad, the ugly of slavery. So they want to teach the good of slavery. And this was and what, what slavery was. It was actually good. And these are not bit players in the Republican Party, by the way. So I don't know how to tell you this, Justice Roberts, but you ought to come down here and spend a half a day with me, and I could show you enough racism to last you for the, for the rest of your life and everybody else's. <laughs> I guarantee you. Hey, hey, James, I got an idea. How about if Martha and Jimmy, they think it was so good, how about they volunteer, maybe just for six months, not even 12 years, for six months to be a slave, okay? Come on, Martha and Jimmy, come on in. By the way, the best slave museum is 40 miles from New Orleans. Yeah. The Whitney Plantation, that place is, is remarkable. Yeah, it, but it, it, I guarantee you that, that people are telling them, well, you didn't say anything wrong. What's wrong with that? Of course that was the way it is. I mean, that, that people believe that shit. 
And they boasted, you know, they, they were both, you know, elected to their positions. It's, it's just, it's un, it's unfrickin' believable. I'll tell you something. If there is a, a James Carville uh, hosting John Roberts in a tour of Louisiana, man, I want to cover that. Huh? Yeah. I'll be there, James. You want to see some racism? <laughs> Come sit. Okay. okay. Go. You know, you know, the other thing, Al, is that they, some of this stuff that they, I, I'm not a big fan of some of the stuff in the 1619 Project, but my point is, there's so goddamn much racism in our history, you don't need to make any up. Right, <laughs> there's right. There's sufficient amount out there to cover. You, you, you could have a, a million scholars working a million olives each and you, you wouldn't unearth all of it. As you know, I just got back this week from a wonderful, marvelous tour about my fifth or sixth of the Gettysburg battlefield. And, uh, you know, when you, when you look at that, there was only one reason that battle took place. There was only one reason that war took place, uh, and that was slavery. Uh, and that's a stain that we just have to acknowledge. And never forget that Lee's army captured free blacks in Pennsylvania back. and sold them into slavery. Right. Okay? Right. Confiscated these people's goods. And, and, but let's put it this way. They were better than Sherman. They actually paid for it. They gave them yeah. Confederate money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know how much well, that was worth. Sherman should have gotten some Confederate money. And <laughs> yeah, it to, exactly. You know? Yeah, I yeah. tell you, that's like that so, uh, that, yeah, the, that bridge they, they to never, nowhere in Alaska. <laughs> right, right, right. So I just kind of point that out about the Sainted General Lee. But anybody out there, I know James loves this too. If you you know you have, if you're starting to travel now and you live anywhere near, or you're on the East Coast. Man, go to go to Gettysburg. There is no more no more sacred ground in in America than uh, than that battlefield and that cemetery. Uh, it's a wonderful experience. Hey, thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. Don't forget to send your questions for us by email to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at Politicon. Following this episode, we'd appreciate it if you check out the link to our sponsor, Magic Spoon, in the show notes. We really thank you for supporting them. When you do, it helps make this podcast happen. To keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we continue our war room planning.